Thanks for downloading the TCT Podcast. For all the latest news on the 3D printing and additive manufacturing industry, visit tctmagazine.com. the rise of desktop 3D printing, a section of the industry that has really taken off in the last few years. A film crew began following some of the major players during this race to put 3D printing into the home, documenting some of the biggest stories such as Megabots turned to closed source, 3D systems run with form labs, and Cody Wilson's now infamous 3D printed gun. Print the Legend, which was the winner of the Special Jury Prize at South by Southwest 2014, is available exclusively on Netflix, and here's a snippet from the film now. Everybody thought home computers were a really, really cool thing that only nerdy people were ever going to be into. 3D printers are on that same kind of arc. We're out to fuel the next industrial revolution by putting the power to manufacture things in your hands. 3D printing has the potential to revolutionize the way we make almost everything. Some of the developments that come from the 3D printer might put the first person to create that device on the pedestal of major social innovator. Every day I get inspired by people who have MakerBots and are doing amazing things. That was a clip from Printer Legends and I'm here with co-directors Clay Tweel. I'm Clay Tweel, I'm the co-director. Louis Lopez. Hi, this is co-director Luis Lopez. And producer Steve Klein. Hi, this is Stephen Klein, I'm the producer. Hi guys. So could you start with telling me a little bit about the story you were trying to tell with Print the Legend? Well, I think uh, the story we were trying to tell was one of uh, kind of how the challenges that it takes to build a business uh, is one part of it, um, and kind of the, the trade-offs and compromises and uh, ways in which you have to adapt in order to uh, to grow your business. So that's, that's one side, and then... The uh, kind of deeper, uh, almost philosophical layer would be um, the, the shadow of uh, Steve Jobs kind of moving over startup businesses. Um, and uh, we read that the biography of Steve Jobs right before we started um, filming, and that kind of inspired us to, you know, analyze the ways in which uh, he was a leader and how that was kind of either a, a inspiration or a cautionary tale for a lot of these uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah, I think that's a good point, that the way we make things, we dive, we, so we didn't have this story per se when we started. We the, the idea of Steve Jobs was something like, could we find the next Steve Jobs? Could we find, uh, Clay and Luis uh, said a lot at the beginning, what if there had been uh, a film crew with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak when they made the Apple computer, like, could we could we try to be that film crew for the next Macintosh moment? So that idea we had, but that was before we discovered that the right place to try to find that was the world of 3D printing and things like that. And then as the story emerged, it, it added these themes of kind of, you know, exploring the, the how the kind of American dream and its influence on the world has some darker sides too about the sacrifices that success in the marketplace takes from the people who achieve 
Before all that, what was your kind of knowledge on the 3D printing industry? Did you know a lot about it before you actually went in and did the research? You know, what made you think that was going to be the next big thing to do a documentary about? I would say that our previous sort of experience with 3D printing was, was non-existent. We didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, which, But for us, which was give, that gave us the opportunity to come into that space and, and learn and ask a lot of questions, but we didn't know a whole lot of it. In fact, we were... Uh, Looking at other sort of technologies as well, uh, augmented reality, that you know, just different things that might have that potential uh, to, to explode sort of as, as the next big thing. And, and, and as we sort of spend time in it, it's just not that 3D printing necessarily is going to be the next PC revolution, but certainly there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of conversation and dialogue about it being the next big thing. And, and there was a lot of uh, aggressive growth Movement and moving and shaking in that space, so that really caught our attention. Yeah. So, is it kind of more of an interest in startup culture? Yeah, I, I think mean, I think startup uh, startup culture was a was something we found interesting. It's certainly the case that the research phase of our filming was a, was mostly in startup culture, in incubators and hacker hostels and conventions, and kind of finding the trying to find the world of the characters and the world that has both the best technology chance of being a Macintosh moment and the best character. Um, but, and then, it, and then in that research phase, we ended up, you know, uh, it was around that time that three was on the cover of wired, uh, you know, with a 3d printer, with a MakerBot saying this machine will change the world. And we were already in kind of out in the field and we scheduled to go to MakerBot's original offices at 315 Dean Street in Brooklyn. And when we walked in, we did have them, or I did. I think we, you know, we had a, a moment of of real jaw-dropping, um, just one of those moments where you see something that's like magic being caused by technology. You know, they have this bank of MakerBot printing away. And uh, and we were and it had a thrilling feeling, both directly from the technology, which of course was cinematic in a way that augmented reality wasn't, because you could actually see something happen in a camera and it looked amazing. Um, so that was exciting, and the vibe of that office with seventy people crammed into a tiny space, that everyone was staying late and excited and working hard, like that vibe felt like what the garage mythology is all about. And so that was really exciting. So what was it like during the research process? Which, um, you know, how, what, how was it like when you actually discovered these characters for the first time? I mean, it was, it was pretty interesting. They, you know, uh, as we said, we just like to go and talk to people. And I think what we're really looking for is people that are very passionate um, and have uh, kind of clear goals. For us as filmmakers, we like to see people, you know, um, have be able to set that at the outset of our story of like what somebody wants, and, and whether they get it or not will be the, the interesting kind of drama that unfolds. So, um, talking to Bree and uh, talking to Max at Formlabs, you know, they they are two. Uh, they're very different, but they're both very passionate about their companies and about. Um, 3D printing. So for us, uh, we like to find dynamic and different characters um, that that can talk to the same subject. So that was it was um, it was just really really interesting and fun to kind of 
just start poking our heads around, you know, going to CES or going to these 3D printing uh, trade shows and, and just uh, talking to people. Were there any sort of challenges that you came across when you started filming, you know, with gaining access to the industry? Yes, I think the answer is yes. And, and I, I think with technology companies, people are very protective about their their ideas. And, and uh, you know, it's a competitive, mm. competitive arena. So people are private about what they're making and developing. And, and so it, it, it took some... Uh, some time and some trust to, to, to build uh, access and, and, and so we, we could be around. And so, yeah, it took a little bit of, of, of time to develop that. Anytime you have a, a company that has shareholders, um, you know, it's not necessarily in their best interest to let a film crew come around and film everything that's happening. So, yeah, it, it took us a while to, uh, to kind of build that trust. And how did you overcome things like that? Because th- there's a few moments in the film where, for example, Bree des- decides he doesn't want to talk about something. You know, they can be quite, you know, closed off about things. How did you overcome challenges like that? Well, yeah. I mean, part of it is 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 exactly what Clay and Lisa talk about, which is just trying to be around a lot. You know, we filmed over a, a bit more than a year, and so and there were some research phases before that, and so it was you know, probably a year and a half overall of just trying to regularly swing by and build relationships and all of that. But it's also true that compared to other movies we've worked on about, you know, like teen magicians or, or video game players or people who, those are people who said, hey, please come and film me. I'd love to be in movie. This was totally different. This is a group of people who are, who are for very smart reasons saying, you know, we have to be very careful. I don't know if you can be here. You can't point your camera in that direction, all, all kinds of things. And so we did have, uh, and we had NDA, non-disclosure agreements, um, and, you know, some, from our perspective, some significant restrictions, but we understood that those were just the ways that we had to work. And so we just tried to work within them and, and collaborate with, uh, each company had sort of a point person or, or two kind of babysat us a little bit a little bit when we were around and, and worked with us to make sure that we didn't catch something on camera, you know, like a diagram of a new technology or something that would later mean we would have to cut that out. Um, so we, we we had some restrictions that we had to work within, but, but you know, the companies and us worked hard to work around that. And then we... Um, and then each of the CEOs had it, who are featured in the film, had chance to see the movie uh, in an earlier stage and have some dialogue with us about it. And each of them in their own way, you know, influencing the render film uh, to help make them more accurate and make sure that we were uh, being accurate. I was going to add on top of that real quick that we also had the benefit of being kind of, um, you know, in a long form journalistic type of way, uh, continually able to go back and ask same questions if we had to, or rephrase the question, and talk to people, go go back to uh, you know our edit bay, think about it, and then and then reapproach um, these people and and try to really draw out what we feel is interesting information from them. So as opposed to just showing up every you know <clears throat> couple months and asking about what the new widget is, we're able to ask more introspective questions. 
and try to get a couple layers deeper. Yeah, that's that's a really just out. Yeah, I just want that again because that's a really good point. And I think um, uh, I think that part of it is a, well, you know, as the movie was developing, and we knew like that's always what we do try to come back and, a, and ask, ask deeper questions. If we didn't get a great answer before, ask the question again in a different way. And over the, as the themes of the movie evolved in our minds, as we began to discover what the movie was about, it, that, there's a way in which that is also an interesting layer of the film, right? There's a scene in the movie about trying to, the fact that companies try to create companies and entrepreneurs like Cody Wilson try to create and control the narrative of the thing that they're making, which is a very Steve Jobs thing to do. And we think that sort of one of the, or I'll speak for me, I think one of the things that's changed since Steve Jobs uh, ascended is that with the ubiquity of cameras and microphones and things today and press outlets, that it isn't really possible, perhaps, to do what Steve Jobs did. It isn't really possible to mesmerize the, all of the press to such a degree that you, can really, you really can control the narrative. And I think one of the struggles in our film is that, you know, what's true today is that if you're in relationship with the press and you with long-form journalism, like a documentary, and you try to control the narrative, what actually comes across is that the camera can see that you're trying to control the narrative, right? Uh, and that becomes a layer of the film and the sort of struggles between Cody and Bree to control, to wrest the narrative from each other. And did the film change a lot about, you know, from what you thought it might have been about when you first started out, did it change a lot throughout the process? Yeah, I mean, it always evolved. In all of our documentaries, we never really know. Um, that's part of the, the kind of fun and risky part of the verite process uh, of filmmaking that we, we enjoy. And so, yeah, the, the like kind of the meanings of, of everything in the, and the story arcs are constantly changing. So um, I think when we started out, we were, we were like, okay, we had this idea for you know, trying to find the next Steve Jobs. We didn't really know what that story would look like or what it would mean. Um, and it evolved into this kind of uh, uh, examination of, you know, this this in, this particular industry um, and also the way in which kind of business and uh, capitalism works at every level. We have a small company, a middle-sized company, and a, and a couple very large companies that we profile. So. Um, we did not in any way kind of plan that. It just happened to um, unfold in that way for us. The industry's changed so much. I mean, even in just the time of you guys filming that, you know, was it was it interesting to see how those, you know, the, the leading characters, but also, you know, the actual businesses themselves, how they developed over that uh, basically short space of time? Yeah, it was very impressive for us. I mean, we're not... Uh any means uh, business insiders or, or 3D printing uh, experts, but it was fascinating just to see all of it, to see that, that aggressive growth and, and the change and the change within the companies and the, the change within the individuals having to push that along. Uh, yeah, that was, that was really interesting. 
it almost became like a running joke of like we'd come back and be like, so how many people you got now? No, and then like there's that that part in the movie where where Bree's like, I think we hired like 80 people last month. Like I can't even count anymore. You know, he's he's just like I it, it's beyond his capacity to, to track it. What has the general response been like from those that were featured in it, and I guess also the general public as well? Uh, well, I like to filter only great things, so the response has been really great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I, I, it, it's been good. I, I, I think part people really respond to the, uh, the, the dialogue about startup culture and, and entrepreneurship and capitalism, and, and I think that's sort of where we focus a bit of our film on, I think some of the criticisms are about uh, not including a lot of the, the, the specific history of 3D printing in the film, and uh, and, and that was just a matter of, of, of real estate, of, of where we chose to spend our time on the film. But, uh, you know, you, you can't fit all of, you know, the whole world of 3D printing is, is vast and difficult to sort of put all into one thing. But uh, but I, I, we think the response has been really well. I think I think uh, we we try to kind of be fair and balance and include sort of different points of view uh, in the film, and I think I think people respond well to that. Well, for your audience, it does feel important because because your 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 audience knows so much about 3D printing, and so there is a way that if we could if we could like visit the living room of everyone who was going to watch it on Netflix right before they watched it. Uh, which would be a little creepy, but if we could, I think we would say, like, you know, we would say, so, you know, this is a movie, don't don't sit down to watch this movie as the, as a movie that is definitively about the history of 3D printing. It's, there, there, there are people, like, there are people, we other film crews who ran into at Maker Fairs and things who are covering the RepRap movement, who are covering open source movements generally, uh, we hope those movies get completed and are great. We've backed a couple of them on Kickstarter, like so. So there are. We hope that those stories do get told. But we came in. Uh, you know, you, you have to set just for practical reasons. You have to set certain boundaries around what you're going to try to include in the film, because you've only got so much of your own investors' money. Like we're a startup too, in a way, and we have to kind of be responsive to that. And so the bounds we set were because we were looking at the Macintosh moment. We wanted to look at the people, the kind of name brands, the recognizable brands that people were talking about based in the U.S. so that we could, you know, get them in our travel budget, uh, who were, at, at the time we were filming, who were racing to put a, a, this industrial technology on your desktop. And those leaders really were 3D Systems and MakerBot and Warmind at that time. So that's where we contain our story. So, as you said about sort of putting it into the living rooms of of people, um, do you think the film is for just you know the general population as well, or you know because obviously people that understand three D printing will get that and they'll get the whole startup culture because they're so used to seeing it. But do you think that just other people will appreciate it as well just because of that whole you know anyone picking up an idea and, and just trying to make a business out of it? Yeah, that's that's always our goal is to try to find a story that can uh, reach as many people as possible and have kind of a, a, a deeper layers and meanings that can be more applicable. Um, so we think that, you know, trying to scale up and hire the right people and grow your business is, you can be, <coughs> excuse me, you can be, you know, opening up a, a little boutique shop or um, running a sports team. A any of these 
whatever, whatever it is, like almost any business hopefully can find some sort of nugget of, uh, of truth in the movie that they can cling on to. And there is something about the, the um, you know, the story. We hope that now it's translatable for better or for worse. We hope that the kind of American dream myth is now uh, has applicability across the world, and certainly Netflix thought so, and that's part of why they bought it to distribute it. But the idea that this kind of ethos that if you have a vision, if you have a dream, you work really hard, you can make that dream into a reality through business and impact the world. That sort of story, I think, catches hold of a lot of people's imagination about how they want to live their life or how they could live their life. And we kind of feel like it's important in that way. The movie has, has resonated very deeply with people who we know who, who, are, who have nothing to do with technology or startups. Um, because, and because it kind of explores the darker side of that, that while that all may be true, it may require some sacrifices from you that you should think carefully about before you embark on that journey. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, one thing that we found quite interesting in the film was that our actual magazine front cover is used in it. Um, how did you actually find that? <laughs> uh, how did uh, we find it? I think Cody. I, I think Cody gave Cody. it. Cody. Yeah, yeah. It was sitting on Cody's uh, counter in, in Austin, Texas. Oh, really? Yeah, among, um, among his books on law and philosophy and anarchism, there was your magazine. Wow, that's 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 quite an accolade. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I guess with that, you know, what I know you you debate a lot on that in the in the film, and I guess in the end, it kind of the whole 3D printed like gun debate it kind of gets changed to something else. But what what do you actually what do you make of that whole thing? Uh, I, I, well, I think, I think it was fascinating. It was fascinating to see, uh, well, not only Cody and me, Cody, and talk to him and figure what he was all about, but to, just to see, we were right there when he when, when he put the, the, the hand in the liberator out and uploaded it, and to see sort of the media yeah, okay. spin around around it all was uh, was, was fascinating. Um, and, and Cody working that, and, and working that, the media and the story and his agenda, into uh, you know into the press and the press just eating it up was just something that was uh, really interesting to see. I was just think I was say real real quick that the uh, you know for me it was interesting as somebody who's maybe not aligned with what I first thought Cody's agenda was of some sort of like statement about the Second Amendment or guns or something like that. But he actually doesn't care really about that at all. It's more about the control and power of information and flow of information on the internet, um, which I actually do, you know, believe strongly in, and uh, the kind of uh, democratizing of information. So um, I, I kind of had a, a, a reversal of how I thought about Cody, and, and really appreciated the, the the sentiment behind what he was trying to do. Now the means in which he did it by taking like the most dangerous object that you can find and unregulated technology is is pretty uh, pretty crazy but it's also like um, I think pretty pretty smart of him to, to combine those two elements 
I mean, I guess I agree with you there because I think that it's interesting how he's kind of used that whole like media storm of that and you know kind of made a name for himself really. And I think that three D printing has done that as well. A lot of its popularity has been based on all, all you know small things in the media. Do you think that has been a big factor in building the industry up? Yes, absolutely. I think I think uh, in in anything, people really respond to storytelling and the stories uh, we tell about other technology or events and and these stories build up and if someone if it's on wired magazine and uh, you know, however many people pick up that magazine and read it and, and start to believe in that story uh that story becomes real uh, to some extent and 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 we're very aware as storytellers about the power of storytelling and how uh how that influences so much about what we Think about a technology. What we, how, how big we think it is. How, how much potential it has. Uh, and, and that's part of our thematics in the film as well. It's just storytelling. And, and Bree's a wonderful storyteller. He's able to, uh, to, to, to tell a story. And people, people eat story up. And, and Cody, in his own way, is a, is a, is a storyteller. And he can uh, bring the media in and, and, and have them, have them for the ride. And he knows what to say and how to say it. And uh, that makes it that really. Palpable to, to, to the media, but to, yeah, uh, storytelling is, is very powerful. Yeah, there's a scene in the movie with Cody that is one of my favorites, um, where he he points out that you know, in a couple of years ago, if if some if you said to someone, "Hey, have you heard of 3D printing?" They were like, ah, "I don't know what's 3D printing," and now if you ask them, they say, "Oh yeah, I've heard of that." And can't you print a gun with it? And the fact that 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 stuck so clearly in the public, worldwide public imagination, uh, is you know shows how smart an idea that was from a from a propaganda perspective uh, for Cody. And I guess one of the other kind of main stories as well that's popped up with three D printing is this whole um, the argument with intellectual property. I mean, what do you think of those like those kind of battles with lawyers and that kind of stuff? Do you think they're going to shape the industry? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. that there's we had a lot of interesting conversations. At least you remember watching that footage with like uh, Zach and some of the guys at Form Labs about um, you know how digital rights management is going to come into into play. Or we talked to Chris Anderson, um, who was a former editor of uh, Wired and um, wrote the book Makers. Uh, he you know he said like how many polygons is piracy? Um, and so the, the like copyright intellectual property debate was something that we explored a lot as well because the, the industry as a whole seems to be so unregulated um, still at this point that it is just, in my mind anyway, kind of inevitable that um, uh, structure and laws are going to be put in place to try to manage um, the flow of, flow of information and the flow of kind of, you know, being able to give designers uh, uh, money for objects that they put up online or, or whatever it is uh, so that there's not a just kind of Napster LimeWire <laughs> uh, scenario for, for 3D printing objects. So I think that's probably going to happen in the next you know, five years. I mean, would you like to go back to those companies in the next five years and, you know, um, see what's changed with them? Uh, personally, I'd, 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 I don't know about film 
and continuing the filming, but certainly I, I want to know what happened and, and, and how things change and how things develop. And it, it feels like it's, it's something that goes through, it's going through so, such rapid growth that the adjustments are, are, are quick and often. And, and it, uh, it, I'd be fascinated to see where these companies are in five years. And the people in them. It'll be, you know, as, as the movie shows, there's enough growth and change in these industries that, you know, we also want to see where the human beings are. What, are they even still in the industry? If they are, what are they doing? Are they those companies or different companies? We do think that, you know, someone we interviewed uh, at MakerBot said, um, you know, that, that he felt like the early people at MakerBot, whether or not they stayed at MakerBot, that that experience of kind of being in that, in that fishbowl together, they, they were all going to go on to different places reading printing way and, and it'd be interesting to see if he was right you know? well I suppose it's quite interesting at the minute because Bree himself has just actually moved into making a 3D printed movie so there's someone that's, uh, that's yeah. progressed a little bit there <laughs> <laughs> um, okay well I mean I, I tend to I always ask people this kind of question because everyone seems to have completely, you know, conflicting views on the industry, you know, what things will push it forward, what things will hold it back. You know, what what do you think, you know, is, is just the future looks like for the 3D print industry? Do you think it is going to be one of those scenarios where we've got, you know, one in every house or do you think it'll be something different? I mean, I think that there's um, a, uh, a good chance that the next step uh, will be something along the lines of, of Kind of business centers for 3D printing, like uh, like a, the Kinko's uh, intermediary before everybody has it in their house, because right now it is still a little bit tough to need a little bit of kind of DIY skill set, engineering skill set to have really good uh, consistent prints all the time, as far as I can tell. Um, and so I just think like if you had somebody who really knew what they were doing. And you could just go have your your 3D uh, digital file, and then take it somewhere to get it printed, and come pick it up later. Um, and you could like pick the color material. That seems like the old school uh, method of um, you know printing back in back in like the 80s and 90s of of, of how Kingston made their money. And so I think that might be the next step before it really gets to that one kind of one button easily uh, printable kind of scenario that you can have it on your desktop at home. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I see it going. I, I also think you know, we, we have that, well, there's this moment that sticks out from, from when we were filming, which is when I think we were at the MakerBot store opening, correct me if I'm wrong, Clay and Luis, but I think when, when MakerBot opened, like, a you know, fo arguably following in footsteps of, of Apple, you know, they've opened stores. Uh, and we were in the New York store not long after it opened and, and filming, kind of getting a sense of what it was like there. And there was a kid who came in with his dad. He was maybe, I don't know, 10, I think around 10 or 11. Um, yeah, yeah. And he had showed, and his dad was like, well, I'm here because of him. I mean, he's super into 3D printing. His school has one. We got one at home. And he showed us these little, like, um, Greek columns, like, you know, Corinthian columns and things, and he had printed because he was working on a report about Greek architecture, and he had designed and printed these little things on his MakerBot. And that was a moment for me where I was like, oh, right. When this 
when that when kids come up already comfortable in SketchUp and CAD because they're just doing it at school from when they're really young, then you know, which is what maybe ten if he's in fifth grade, you know, it's ten or twenty years before he starts to kind of uh, be you know in college and out of college and affecting the, the professional world, but. That feels it feels like there will be a sea change in that somewhere because they're going to start using it for things that we wouldn't think of using a three D printer for, but it'll be so easy for them that they'll just do it, and that will be exciting and really interesting. That was Clay Tweel, Louis Lopez and Steve Klein, the team behind Print the Legend. It is available now on Netflix and you can read more about the film on tctmagazine.com and in the latest issue of TCT Magazine by downloading the app or subscribing at tctmagazine.com forward slash subscriptions. If you do have any thoughts on this episode, don't forget you can also tweet us at the TCT Magazine. Thank you for listening to the first TCT podcast. I am Laura Griffiths and look out for episode two coming your way very soon.